0: All right, we are back. Uh, You know, we didn't hear from Will Durst in our first segment, so we better do it now.
1: Well, thanks, Doug. And today I want to talk about the seven deadly sins. As you may have heard, the Catholic Church recently updated the old standbys, lust, greed, envy, sloth, gluttony, wrath, and pride, augmenting them with a brand new set. And if you figure this is a larger opening for a comedic premise than the blowhole on a beluga whale, then you, my friend, are as smart as one of those miniaturized Japanese kids who plays the electric violin upside down, hanging from their knees in their sleep. Oh, don't get me wrong. The new list—pollution, genetic engineering, drugs, abortion, obscene riches, pedophilia, and social injustice— holds its own in the malevolence department. But let's be honest, (laughs) it's as boring as a DMV waiting room in hell especially when you consider this lineup is going to have to last us for quite some time. What with the Roman Catholic Church normally embracing change with the same regularity that the North American tectonic plates stand on their ends and do a pod de do with the Mississippi River clapping time. Personally, I was kind of hoping for a bit more drama. You know, some 21st century pizzazz thrown into the mix like a nomination for substandard lesbian S&M porn, or maybe a nod to topicality, with a mention of preemptory invading of a country that had absolutely nothing to do with 9-11, or housewives driving few guzzling tanks in suburban settings. And let us not forget that most major modern sin of getting caught, as the governor of New York can attest to right now. And finally, some acknowledgment should have been given to the worst scourge afflicting the planet today. Out of control, religious fanatics. And no, I'm not all that surprised it didn't make the list. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst.
0: Let's talk about a few health issues in the time we have left. There's recently been a brouhaha about the fact that doctors and clinics are going re- to be required to report MRSA, MRSA, better known as methicillin-resistant staph aureus. Oddly, as, uh, as the reporting laws currently stand, hospitals don't have to report MRSA, which of course originated in hospitals, although it's now become uh, a community-acquired infection as well. The hospitals don't want to report it because it's bad for business. So although apparently something like 85% of cases which still are related to hospital infections, uh, well, those you you don't have to report. It's the other 15% we're going to focus on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense from a public health standpoint. I was quite intrigued by some of the comments of Melody Peterson writing in the Los Angeles Times who noted that, The strategy that's made the pharmaceutical industry one of the wealthiest and most powerful on earth is finally starting to betray it. For the past 25 years, Big Pharma has emulated the basic business model of Hollywood, trying to create blockbusters by introducing products that would appeal to the masses, then promote them like mad. This strategy has created some hugely popular drugs, such as Lipitor, Prozac, and Nexium. The problem is that as the patents on these drugs begin to expire, the generic versions become available and the major drug companies hit a dry spell. This is because in order to service the blockbuster model, enormous sums were spent on promotion at the expense of scientific creativity. To make the strategy work, in fact, the drug industry puts its marketers in charge and gives scientists the back seat. And, wrote Melody Peterson, surprise, surprise, they're not discovering enough new drugs to replace the aging standbys. And of course, this is the same industry that claims they have to charge tip-top prices so that they can fund research. Well, that ain't exactly so. Let's talk a little about cell phones. Uh, they not only create a public health uh, hazard, but the fact that... Uh, Distracted drivers are causing accidents, but apparently some studies now show that the result of uh, widespread cell phone use is increasing everybody's average drive time by 5 to 10%. And if you think about that, if you have an hour-long commute, that translates into as much as 12 extra minutes behind the wheel each day. Well, that's a bad aspect of cell phones, but it gets worse. Excuse me a minute. Hello? I, I can't talk right now. Call back later. Anyway, as I was saying, according to New Scientist magazine, 22308, Radiation from cell phones is too weak to heat biological tissue or break chemical bonds in cells, but the radio waves they emit apparently may still affect cell behavior. Evidently, uh, Finnish researchers studied mobile phones, uh, mobile phone radiation anyway, and noted that it alters the expression of some proteins in living humans. And they're not sure what these proteins do, but the fact that a cell phone can alter the actions of your cells, you're in my cells, (laughs) is a little bit disturbing. Now, several uh, previous studies have indicated that cell phone radiation is not physically harmful. But Swedish researchers exposed volunteers to mobile phone-grade radiation just before bed and noted that they had a higher incidence of insomnia and headache. They also had more trouble reaching a state of deep sleep, and they couldn't maintain a sound sleep for as long as people who hadn't been exposed to the wireless frequencies. So can the mild radiation that your brain receives from your cell phone keep you up at night? Well, I think research on this better damn well continue. And although people have long scoffed at the possibility that magnets could have healing powers... It turns out that researchers at the University of Virginia have applied powerful magnets to paw injuries in rats and measured the blood flow and noted that uh, through a mechanism not fully understood, the magnetic field opened tiny blood vessels and thus increased the oxygen and nutrients supplied to the damaged tissue. This reduced swelling by a very significant 50%. So you have to ask the question, uh, you know, could the people who are spending $5 billion a year on magnetic wraps, bracelets, and neck braces be onto something? Well, it, it, it does appear that uh, more study is warranted here. All right, let's close with an article here about food citing uh, Fat Profit, an article from the February Condé Nast Portfolio magazine. It turns out, in spite of uh, some of the posturing by fast food chains in the wake of uh, Super Size Me, uh, some companies are taking the opposite tack and uh, going for the fat. Apparently, the Hardee's and Carl's Jr. chains are in the vanguard of this. Noted the article when Andrew Puzder, chief executive of CKE, which owns both Carl's and Hardee's, took over, he uh, promptly scrapped the old menu, which offered everything from cheap burgers to fried chicken to hot dogs, and devised a new one that focused on bigger burgers for young, hungry guys. This is apparently aimed at men who are sick of being told what they should and should not eat. Said Puzder, I think a lot of this everybody-is-going-to-eat-healthy thing is more of a concern of people in the media than a concern of people who come into our restaurants. Indeed, noted author article Joe K. Ohan Fast food customers have indeed been clamoring for healthy alternatives, which prompted an industry-wide stampede toward salads and orange slices. But just because customers wanted them on the menu didn't necessarily mean they wanted to eat them. In fact, the addition of salads at McDonald's and other chains is partly aimed at drawing more burger-eating men by placating wives and girlfriends who would otherwise veto the restaurant choice. There's evidently been an escalation of the of the fat war among the various uh, burger chains, which has led to such things as the breakfast burger, a huge patty crowned with a fried egg, bacon, and hash browns. Or how about the Philly cheesesteak thick burger topped with sliced steak and cheese, or the pastrami burger? Take a guess. And here's the horrible part. We noted last year when Jay Leno appeared at the... Uh, Mort Sullivan in L.A., he referred to uh, how people like uh, Carl's Jr. were using meat as a condiment for other meats. Well, this apparently so delighted the people at CKE that they started touting meat as a condiment in its promotional materials. Another example of life imitating art. That about does it for time. Our thanks to Stephen Braun, author of Merchant of Death. We hope to bring Mr. Braun on the program in the weeks to come to give us an update on what is happening with Victor Boot in Thailand. And although we did not get to Victor Contreras today, we will talk about the Alamo soon. And on next week's program, we're going to speak with Donald Prothero about his cover article in last week's New Scientist magazine titled What Missing Link? The article explains that there are a lot fewer, quote, missing links, unquote, than creationists would have us believe. I'm Douglas Everett. This program, like all of them, was produced by Edward McMillan. We'll see you next week at the same time.